This episode is brought to you by my template shop on Etsy. That's right. I heard your feedback a couple months back and opened up a template store for all you Etsy lovers, and I have been blown away by the feedback so far. While all of my templates and bundles listed are already included inside my Playmaker Society monthly membership, now you have the option of purchasing these resources a la carte as you need them, which is perfect if you're not quite ready to jump in and join our Playmaker community quite yet. These templates and trainings start at just $7, are professionally developed and proven to work, and can save you hundreds of hours and dollars because, like you've probably heard a million times, there is no need to reinvent the wheel, especially when I have already created highly effective operations documents and templates and optimized them over the years to be exactly what you need in your business, exactly when you need them. Head to the show notes to browse my a la carte templates on Etsy starting at just $7 right now. If you're in the play and party business and you want to operate with more ease and joy, all while making the living you dreamed of, I created the Profitable Play Podcast just for you. Join me, your host, Michelle Caruana, for Small But Mighty Tips Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays that will all add up to a big impact on your mindset, your business, and your bottom line. Stick with me to keep the passion and grow the profit in your play or party-based business. All right, Playmakers. So back on episodes 163 and 164 of this podcast, I talked all about how hiring a remote employee or a virtual assistant could be a game changer for your business, both in terms of cost saving and what your business is actually able to make and accomplish. And maybe most importantly, hiring a virtual assistant or a remote team member could change what your life looks like as the owner and what you're doing day-to-day in your business. Because chances are, you know, if I had to guess, you know, speaking from experience, when you launched this business, you probably had a specific idea of what your lifestyle would look like, about what your day-to-day would look like. And I bet that didn't include waking up at five in the morning, answering messages and emails and spending every waking moment of your weekends working and not relaxing and spending time with your family. So again, go back and listen to those episodes. I'll link them in the show notes because again, hiring a remote team member or a virtual assistant can be a game changer and can really bring you much closer to the life you actually desire as a business owner and the one that you set out to achieve when you first launched your business or maybe even when you were all the way back in that daydreaming phase. So to kind of supplement those episodes and to round out the conversation, in this episode, I'm going to bring you an amazing guest expert who has both worked as a virtual assistant behind the scenes of some of the most successful businesses out there, but she also now coaches virtual assistants and trains them to become invaluable parts of a business's operation. So In this guest expert interview, I'm going to be talking with Emily Reagan, and she's going to give us all the details about where we can go to find a perfect remote employee or a virtual assistant, what types of tasks we might want to delegate to them, and exactly how we can go about that. She's going to talk about some systems and things that you should probably have in place before you start searching for your perfect unicorn virtual assistant. She's going to talk about some red flags that you might encounter during the hiring process that might make you want to run for the hills. She's going to talk about all of her tips and tricks and expertise around, again, really hiring that perfect unicorn virtual assistant that is going to take your business to the next level and help you save money and accomplish more while doing it. So I am so excited for this conversation. Emily has so much wisdom and expertise to provide. I hope you enjoy this conversation just as much as I did. Hey, Emily, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to have this conversation with you all about the VA world. I'm excited too. So let's get right into it. And can you kind of kick off this conversation by sharing a little bit about who you are and who you serve? Yes. Hey, I'm a mom of four. I've spent plenty of time in play places and hiring help for my birthday parties, but I'm also a freelancer. I have been working in this remote space since 2009. I'm a military spouse, so I have been moving every one, two, three years, three years if I'm lucky. And I kind of fell into this remote work 
accidentally and I had to quit my dream job when my husband got orders to move up to DC and I was just happy I was able to work and keep my clients and every time we PCS I didn't have to start over. So I've been teaching my friends who are primarily overeducated, underemployed military spouses, a lot of stay-at-home moms who have degrees who are looking for part-time work. Uh, especially during the school hours, how to do the same work I've been doing. And I have a course, I have a membership, and I, like you, nerd out on all of the things marketing and team related. Yeah, awesome. So you mentioned that, you know, you have clients, you do all this virtual work. So what type of businesses can potentially hire VAs? Because I know there are a lot of misconceptions around this, especially in my world. Oh my gosh. The term VA is such an umbrella term for anyone who's working remotely, but what it really means is a contractor. Most people use it to mean someone who's coming in part-time paid by a 1099 to assist the company. And so anyone can benefit from that. Clearly online businesses can do it really easy, right? Because everything is done remote, but there's still people who want to meet up with their team and meet face to face. And I get a lot of job requests and job leads from people who still want to hire in their town, preferably uh, in their time zone and whatnot. But bricks and brick and mortar stores can do this. Uh, Service-based businesses that are um, local. A lot of times I teach my own students to start local and find those clients, but really anyone can because the tasks are unlimited, which we'll get into. <laughs> yeah. So for anyone that's listening, that is kind of still on the fence about whether their business could hire a VA, especially those of us who are used to hiring in person, what are some ways that we can tell our business might be a good fit for hiring a virtual assistant or remote contractor, like you said? Well, you've talked a lot about it on your podcast, but a lot of that those maintenance tasks that you talk about when it becomes really repetitive, when it starts sucking up a lot of your time, when it can be done remotely, obviously there's a whole operations department that comes with in-person stores that doesn't lend itself to, you know, being hired out remotely, but pretty much everything else can. And you've talked about it too. It's like, there are some tasks that only business owners can do. Um, you being the face of your business, you making decisions but there's a lot of repetitive work when it comes to the different departments of business that can, can be done remotely. And I like to bring up this example. I know the pandemic has but like sped up this whole remote thing, but you know, my husband was in the Air Force. He just recently retired. And 10 years ago, the Pentagon was trying to bring in more remote workers because it's just the nature and the cost of living in DC. It wasn't attractive. It wasn't pulling in the right workers that they needed. Um, the compensation wasn't worth it. People don't want to deal with I-95. Let's be real. And so 10 years ago, the Pentagon was trying to do this and it just wasn't taking off culturally. And now, flat, you know, flash, flash forward to this pandemic time, my husband was remote for a solid like 18 months, which was amazing. And the Pentagon kind of saw that, yeah, we can do this. If we can do this with classified information and like 30,000 people working in this building at like top government level, like anyone can figure out how to do the remote piece. So I just want to put that in everyone's brain. Um, but yeah, I think that the easiest thing is to start with those tasks that are really, you know, need to happen every day, need to happen every week when they're really cyclical. Yeah. And it's funny that you brought that up because before we hit record, we were actually talking about, you know, a little bit about my background and my previous work in, you know, corporate America. I worked for Boygan's Food Markets. And it's so funny. The reason that I left and opened an indoor playground is because I was required to be there in person, eight to five. It was an hour from my home. I was in the IT department, even though I was doing customer analytics and marketing. And we also had to do some overnights and I had a newborn and it was just not compatible. And you know, that's, I loved my job. I had worked so hard to get there. I worked for Wegman since I was 15 and I absolutely loved it, but I left because they were not open to any remote. So it was kind of like, kind of like the opposite experience. And now I still am in touch with all of my past coworkers and the entire team is remote. So, you know, it kind of just goes to show you that they were so set and they were so positive that all of the work that they required could not be done virtually. And Oh my gosh, I worked so hard to campaign for at least a couple days at home. It would have completely changed my life. And I think they really lost out on a lot of top talent because mm -hmm. they were requiring in-person work. And now again, fast forward seven years and the entire IT department is completely remote. So sometimes it takes things like a pandemic, like you said, to really fast forward um, this type of workplace progression. But 
again, it just goes to show you that they were so 100% sure that they could not get accomplished what they needed to remotely. And now they're doing it. And, you know, like I said, I stay in touch and they're doing better than ever. So just oh goes gosh. to show you. It's so fascinating. And I know that's got to help with, you know, culture and retention and whatnot, but my husband is now a contractor in the same office. So he's left the military, but he's working in the same dang office. We now live 90 miles South in Richmond. He goes up to DC, maybe, you know, two, three times a week, just to go to these speeches and stuff. Cause he's like writing the speeches and he stayed in DC on Wednesday, he stayed extra. And he's like, I was not productive. It was so noisy. It was so loud. He needed to be writing keynote speeches. And I, I think he was kind of craving that office environment and it's good for people to see his face, but he's actually more productive from home. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think people like five years ago just thought, oh, they're not going to be productive or, you know, she only wants Fridays off during the summer because she's going to go play. But actually some of us really thrive because I can remember being in an office environment, my coworker coming in and sitting on my couch and I'm like, go away. <laughs> I need to do my work. So it's, I don't think, I think we need to kind of like flip the script here and realize that this could be a huge advantage. Yeah, absolutely. And luckily, like you said, a lot of companies have gotten there since the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And I absolutely love that. And there are so many remote opportunities now that there weren't before. And this kind of leads us perfectly into my next question. We kind of alluded to the produ the productivity aspect. I alluded to the increase in talent pool available when you hire remote. But what are some other benefits of hiring a remote contractor versus an in-person payroll employee? Well, the thing about a contractor is you save money because you're not paying the full-time salary, although you can have a part-time employee, but you're not paying all the benefits, the medical and all of that. And you don't have to worry about like all of that. The HR department is a little bit easier, a little bit slimmer. So the contractor allows you to only, you know, get into an agreement for work, you you pay for what work is accomplished, right? And so you get to like just, you get to save in a lot of areas. And when you're hiring a contractor, it really is somebody that you're hiring for results, like technically, legally for the IRS, you don't want to hire somebody and then like micromanage them and control them. And so you get this situation where you're saving money, you get somebody you can trust to do the work and it's a win-win. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, what a lot of people don't realize is that you can hire multiple virtual assistants for just yes. a little pockets of time. Whereas I found that when you're hiring even part-time employees in person, being in person really limits their ability to have like multiple jobs. So they typically require at least 10, 15, 20 hours. And one of the biggest time sucks as a business owner was me trying to find things for them to do and fill every single second of their time. So I love that you brought up that you're only paying for what gets accomplished. And something else that I love about virtual assistants, and maybe you can elaborate on this a little bit, but what I love is that you can hire people for specialized tasks. So mm -hmm. you can hire somebody for two hours a week just for Instagram. You can hire somebody, another person, two hours a week just for organization and inbox management. So I absolutely love that it really allows you to be specialized in what you need and also what that person is great at doing and loves to do, which you can't really do with in-person employees as much. Yeah. There's this misconception that you have to bring someone on for 40 hours a week and fill their time, but that's not sure at all. Like look back to when I'm having my uh, third or fourth baby. I don't know. I lost count. And I, there was a point in time where some of my best clients, I just build them every five hours. I was working five hours a month. And I mean, they're getting my brain in their business, but I think people think like, oh, your your end goal is to be an employee and be full-time. Like actually, no, because I want a work-life balance. Freelancers are craving freedom, right? And we want that, like we want that time freedom that comes with it. And so a lot of very smart people, especially these like overeducated moms, like in our world, want to work between nine and two. And so that isn't even like a 35 hour work week, right? So it's, it's okay to hire somebody for only four hours a week and pay them what they accomplished. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I love that you brought up the overeducated, you know, stay at home moms, because that's a lot of people listening. So I absolutely yeah. love that. So um, we talked a little bit about some tasks that virtual assistants or contractors might be able to help with those highly repetitive must do tasks. 
But are there some mistakes that you see business owners make when it comes to hiring VAs for tasks that they're maybe not a good fit for? Are there any tasks that we shouldn't outsource to somebody remote or a contractor? Yeah. Okay. So let me step back for a second. The whole essence of my branding is this unicorn thing. This is going to be a little bit confusing, but my whole thing is like, you can fill multiple, multiple roles. You can do a variety of tasks. Me personally, at one point I had like 10 Pinterest clients and I hated my life. Like I love Pinterest. I love marketing, but I just don't want to be doing the same thing every day. Like my brain needs to be engaged. And so one of the biggest mistakes I see is hiring somebody for too many departments within a business. So business has, you know, six different departments. So we have our ops, which we already mentioned. We have customer service. We have HR. We have accounting and finance. We have product development, which is usually what the visionary or CEO is doing. And then we have marketing and sales. So if you're hiring one person to work in all six departments, and if there's any kind of like extra layers of managers and they're reporting to ex- like additional people, that's when you set yourself up for failure, like requiring someone to be spread too thin. And so one of the things I like to clear up when I talk about a VA is like, what department are they in? What job title do they have? And it's okay if it mixes over because there are women in my course who have learned marketing who knew bookkeeping and they're, they're like a unicorn and that's rare. But most people are going to kind of fit in one department. And so you a, have to have that conversation and see, you know, what else do you know? Do you have any secret skills I don't know about or other things you want to explore? But you do need to build your business around your business structure and where you're going and not necessarily around these random rare people who have skills that you might not find anywhere else. So let's let's keep this really simple. You need bookkeeping and invoicing and customer support. Like that might be one person. Your marketing person is probably going to be one person. It could dip over a little bit into customer service. Your marketing person is not going to be your HR department. They're not going to be your ops person. So like thinking about those separate roles and the actual job title of the VA, is it an admin assistant? Is it a marketing coordinator? Is it a manager? That's, I think, like the biggest thing we should take away from this podcast today. Yeah, I love that. And I like that you said that it could spill over. And one other thing that I wanted to mention is that your remote employees can work with your in-person employees, kind of like you were saying, So for example, if you hire a marketing virtual assistant that's supposed to make reels and um, run your Instagram account and engage with customers, you can have them provide a list of needed deliverables to an in-person employee and say, hey, I need three pictures of this. I need four videos of this. I need this and this and this by this day. So a lot of people, again, have this misconception that they can't hire virtual because they need pictures or they need videos taken in person. But they can work together to get that content plus the strategy and execution and kind of form that perfect relationship. Yeah, because you talked about hiring the specialist. And that's kind of another mistake is hiring somebody who's like an implementer and expecting a strategy out of them. And some of us learn and grow. We have the growth mindset. Like we'll get there very quickly. Some people are just not meant for that. So if you do hire a marketing manager, a social media manager, they can give the implementation skills to your in-person helper and alleviate that task. I mean, there's probably going to be some coaching on composition and like what B-roll is, but like it's going to pay off for you because that's something that just gets off your plate that you do not need to be spending your time doing. Yeah, absolutely. But even if the in-person employee just takes a quick video or picture, you know, that virtual assistant can do all of the editing. They can do the caption. They can do the, you know, the strategy portion of it. So I love that you brought that up. And as you were kind of alluding to previously, I have talked about hiring virtual assistants on this podcast before. And if you notice, I gave my listeners a little bit of homework and I had them kind of come up with that list of potential tasks that might be a perfect fit for a virtual assistant. So hopefully everyone kind of did their homework prior to listening to this. If you didn't, I will link that episode in the show notes, or if you're watching, I'll link that video. But what I wanted to kind of talk about next is, you know, if we have this list, if we've kind of said, okay, I'm ready to hire a virtual assistant, I have this list of tasks, where do we go about finding either that unicorn or finding those kind of people with specialized pockets of knowledge? How can we find our perfect virtual assistant. 
Yeah. Okay. I'm going to take it a step back too. So you have this list, which is great. This is totally what I teach you. Like track your time. What are you spending your time on? What's in your drudgery zone? Get that out there. And then find like kind of like circle things that go together and start with like your top priority, right? Like what do you need the most help with? And I think a big mistake is just trying to like fire hose someone and give them everything. So be strategic, phase one, phase two, phase three, where, what would you like this person to take over in the future? What can they take over now? And so lump those first ones together you're going to have your job title. It's going to be pretty clear to you. And then you have a couple different options of where to hire, but start with that. And then when you do hire, Ask somebody, what else do you want to learn? What else do you do? Do you want more hours? I think that's like a huge mistake that happens is this overall communication channel. So many times I hear, well, I don't know what, what is she working on? Like, I don't know um, if, if like, if he can take on more work or I don't know what else they want to do. I'm like, just talk to them, right? Like people will say no. And as a contractor, they have a right to do that if it's out of scope. So trust that that, that can come. Okay, so now we talk about where to find this person. And there's so many places. So first, I want to talk about there are VA agencies that will help you find somebody. And I want to address this because this can really help you if you're newer to this world. You don't want to take the time to train as much. Um, just know that you're going to be paying a premium. The agency is going to take a cut and they're going to be paying this person less. And my problem with this, although it helps in the short term, it's not always the long-term teammate that you're really trying to groom as a you know, the CEO of your business, but it can be a stopgap solution. Sometimes you can hire that person away and there's a fee. Um, also, I don't feel like you get a little, a little, I don't know if this is like politically correct. I don't know if you always get the best person, right? The best person is going to realize their worth cut out the middleman and do their own thing. So I'm just going to throw that out there. But agencies do have their time and space. So if you go Google that, there's a ton of them. Um, and then there's also, you can also look at resources like Fiverr and Upwork. You'll you'll get, what's the other one? Oh my gosh, I'm blanking out on it. Um, I'll get you that list. So you can put it in the shop, show notes. But um, there's you can hire people overseas too. You can always go over there and look and post your jobs and look for people too. Sometimes you don't always get that retainer person that you're looking to groom as a teammate. So I think you really need to know, do I need a short-term specialist who's going to solve a problem? If you need graphic design, Fiverr is great. Do you want an ongoing teammate who's going to fill a department role? Like that might be a different situation. Uh, there's also really good websites like hiremymom.com. I share job leads with a more marketing or project management focused um, from, it's called hireaunicorn.com. And one of my favorite places is to get into Facebook groups, talk to other business owners and ask, who do you work with? Are, like, and, and there's this whole secret underground network because a lot of us freelancers, we don't want to be the face of our business. We're, under, we're behind the scenes, we're behind the curtain, we're doing the work and we're not always marketing ourselves. So if you can ask somebody who's successful, who do you use? Is that person available or who else do they know? You can get some indirect referrals like that. And another great place to start with and not discount is your own list, your own social. Your inner circle will grow if you just post it and share it. And it's almost easier to work with somebody who is already familiar with your business and your brand. And it might surprise you who pops out of the woodwork and they might be trainable. Maybe there's a course they can go through that would get them to that level where you're ready for them too. So I hope I answered that. And there, I mean, there's so many different networks of uh, specialists on top of that. It really becomes about like, who do you know? So if you do have a job, go to hireunicorn.com and you can share it. And I can at least help you get that ball rolling. Um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that's how I found my VA. I mean, I always turn to Fiverr and Upwork, like you said, for those one-time work efforts. Yeah. But I found my perfect VA. Her name is Hannah. And I found her through networking and Facebook groups. I think the same group that I found you in, which yeah. was perfect. So um, that's how I found her. And it's it's been great. But if I ever needed somebody else, I would definitely go to that website that you mentioned, yourhireunicorn.com, because it is so difficult. And it is, you know, I've had to go through a couple different trial periods where it didn't really work out and I had, you know, not great experiences. So it took me a couple of times, but I'm so happy with the person that I found. So um, that kind of is, again, a perfect transition into, you know, we talked about how to hire a VA or where to find one. 
Um, but are there any red flags that we should look out for? I know you mentioned working with agencies could have potential issues. Are there any other red flags, you know, once we get on these websites, once we get in these Facebook groups that we should look out for that maybe signal to us that this VA in particular isn't a good fit for us? Yeah. Oh my gosh. This is going to open Pandora's box. Okay. I hear, I talked to a lot of business owner friends like you and we, one of the complaints is I hired somebody on Monday. They don't have my brand voice down by Thursday, like expecting these overnight results, but you do need to check is English like their first language. Do I need help writing? Because that can be something that you'll get frustrated with later. If you're hiring someone to help you with writing and marketing, that's like a different talent pool. You can't just make anyone be good at writing. Um, another red flag I see is uh, the social media manager who has their own big account, who's clearly growing their own business and wants to be an intrapreneur as opposed to an um, entrepreneur, as opposed to the intrapreneur with an I. Intrapreneur is someone behind the scenes who will treat your business like their business. They're still a vision aligned. They just don't want to be the face of the business. They don't want all the risk, the risk associated with it but they still have that business brain. And so you're looking for the Roy Disney to Walt Disney, right? And so you don't always find that person on um, you know, Fiverr. A lot of times you get the people who are like one and done, they're doing the projects, they are looking for a paycheck. So I think that depending on like how, how you're trying to grow your business and in my world, a lot of people want that person who's going to grow up to be the manager. Like I want this person to get in, do implementation now and work their way up to being an online business manager, department manager, or project manager. And so really like looking for the person who has the brain and the willingness to learn and can be dynamic and adaptable. Um, those are some flags that I see. What about you? What have you noticed? I'm curious about your, your, um, Red what happened with you? Yeah. Well, honestly, and again, I think this will transition us nicely into the next kind of topic, but honestly, my bad experiences were completely self-inflicted. I believe I think I I think they were great people. I think they I, there was just a miscommunication in the hiring process. Either I wasn't ready, so I didn't have enough documentation, I didn't have my systems down. I was expecting strategy when I was actually hiring them at the rate of implementation. So again, I have really nothing negative to say about the people I hired. It just wasn't a good fit at the time. I either I needed, like I said, to do a little bit more work on my end, or it just wasn't a good fit and the expectations just weren't aligned. And I mean, I worked as I don't I didn't mention this before we started recording, but I was actually before I started creating my own courses, the kind of gap in between owning my brick and mortar play space and doing this online business, I was a Facebook ads contractor. And I used to, so I was very much an entrepreneur and the red flags that I would always look out for kind of on the flip side of the table was, is somebody, you know, needing something emergently, you know, is it an absolute fire that needs to be put out or are they already coming to the, to the relationship saying, oh, the last 10 people I hired were nightmares or something like that. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> if I saw any of those posts in Facebook groups, something that was like, oh, I need a Facebook ads expert in my business yesterday and nobody has ever, you know, met up to my expectations. You know, those are things that would immediately make me go, shoop, like somebody else yeah, can yeah. deal with that. But is that kind of oh what you see? Yeah, I can keep talking about this. Um, okay. There's so many like on the flip side, like as the contractor, right? right? Um, but a lot but that of that helps it- us, you know, grow as business yeah. owners, knowing what the perfect virtual assistant is looking for and knowing what we could potentially be doing to drive those perfect fits away. I think that helps us grow as business owners because had I never been a contractor, I would not know how to correctly word my job posting, how to set expectations. I am a much better um, hirer, or I guess I'm, I'm a much better client? recruiter, client? I guess. Yes. I'm a much better, that's a perfect word. I'm a much better client because I was a contractor. So I don't mind if you talk about it because it helps, like I said, us grow on the other side of the table. It's kind of like, you know, you do your time waitressing and being a server and you never eat at a restaurant the same. You always tip well. You will like, like the veil has been lifted. Right. And I'm, I'm probably in that spot where I'm like, I don't want to be that client like too much. (laughs) 
right? I'm like trying to be too cool. Okay. So many things here. One of the, th- the problems I see, because I have, I have a membership of a hundred different freelance marketers, marketing assistants, like all different kind of levels, right? And we get job postings all the time. And there are people giving these very formal corporate stuffy job descriptions that turn off every single freelancer because it feels like we're being treated as an employee, feels like we are losing all autonomy, that we're not coming to the table as a you know level playing field here. And we don't want to be micromanaged. We're freelancing because we wanted to have fun. We wanted a work-life balance. We want boundaries. And there's a reason I'm not walking down the street and getting a job at Capital One in their marketing department right now, because I don't want that. <laughs> so- thinking about the freelancer cultural culture in general and you you do need to attract the right person and that's a big big thing another mistake that's like top of mind for me is when people are hiring and they don't check their portfolio is such a loose word but like if you're hiring someone for design skills for writing skills make sure they can do it I know some people are new and they can absolutely grow into this role. They're smart. They can learn new tech. We all have the growth mindset, but I had somebody hire um, a social media type person and never looked at her designs. And then she forwarded me, (laughs) I probably shouldn't be saying this on the podcast, forwarded me some graphics she did. And I was like, those are terrible. And it's so subjective. Graphic design is so terrible. Why did you not look at her portfolio and make sure she could do it well before you did that? And it's little things like that, that um, will get you frustrated if you get like too excited and too like rose colored lenses, because you're like, finally help is here, but like watch out. And what does our mentor, Amy Porterfield say? Like hire, slow, fire fast, like take your time, do the test projects, look at the stuff. Um, oh, I think one, I'm, I know I'm on my soapbox here, but so many business owners get stuck on, I need this perfect person who has all of this experience. Well, that person doesn't exist. If they're smart, they're already three, $500 an hour because they're like red hot, right? So you have to get someone they might not have used to campaign, but they've been in ConvertKit. They've done MailerLite. Like they are, they're very capable of active campaign. They just don't want to, they won't charge you for that learning curve or when things are a little bit slow, they, they shouldn't charge you for that. So, oh my gosh, I'm sorry. I like went off on that. <laughs> Yeah, no problem. But it it brings me, again, it reminds me of another experience that I had where I had a great graphic designer working with me, um, but he wasn't learning or he wasn't willing to learn a new tool. And his graphic design, he would only do in Adobe. So now I have all these designs that I can't edit in something like Canva or anything like that. So again, that was another big mistake that I made. It was probably very apparent, you know, on his portfolio or website that he only works in these specific tools. But because it was one of, I think it was my very first actual virtual hire. I didn't look at that. And I thought, oh, well, I must be able to edit them, right? Or, you know, maybe I won't need to edit them. So that was a huge mistake that I made. So I love that you brought up that, you know, skills can translate to different tools, but make sure that they're actually willing to do that. And again, just make it part of that hiring conversation. If you have a tool like Canva or maybe um, an email, again, marketing tool that you must use, bring it up in conversation because it's always better to be transparent up front than be disappointed in the end. I've had to have all of his graphic design work completely recreated oh, because God. it's not editable. And it's not because it wasn't quality. He was a great hire, but it, again, it just was completely misaligned with what I needed. I just didn't know to look for it at the time. Yeah. And I'm glad you brought that up about Canva because I know some people who are graphic designers, like diehard Adobe, but the reality is like, we needed to switch to Canva because that's what our clients need. And so I think bringing up their weaknesses is, this brings up a good point. What is their weakness? So I, I'm bringing on right now a brand new marketing assistant and she's like super, super new. She's a teacher. I know she can multitask. I know she has a brain. I just need to kind of help her. And luckily I have a course for that. Right. But I'm her first client. And so I'm like, oh, this is a little, um, this is going to be a little rough. Right. But I know she's capable. And so one of the things I had asked her, I was like, well, how is your graphic design? And then I kind of coached her on how not to answer the question, but I'm like, if I gave you templates, would you be able to do it? So what can I do? Her graphic design is weak. What can I do to make it easier for her? I can buy some templates. I can take some time for me to get organized for her to set her up for success and not expect a you know $800 uh, 
an hour graphic design logo designer or whatever out of Canva. Like what will be like realistic expectations here. So, but like, let's face it, doing some simple graphic design is part of the job. Like sometimes I need you to just whip it out. But if I, if I give her the template, she'll be good. I know she'll be good. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm glad that you brought that up because I actually recently, like this year, I had the exact same realization that one of the big roadblocks my members are facing is, again, finding virtual assistants or remote employees that can do those big tasks. And if they do find them, again, they're like $500 an hour. So I actually work with a graphic designer and I create templates for them now so that they can have those in their business and outsource them more easily to a VA. So I had that exact same experience. And again, that's one of the ways that I'm working to help bridge that gap and help my members hire virtual employees more easy is by providing them with all of those templates to make especially graphic design, email marketing, things like that so much easier to outsource. Yeah. And I love that. And I really don't want to, you know, um, dog the new people just because they're new and don't have much experience, but they have translatable skills from their last jobs. Like if, as long as they're over like 19 and they've had a real world job experience, they're capable of learning and adapting and you taking the time to talk and communicate and figure out what tools do they need. Um, you could really groom your own superstar. And that's, I mean, that's what happened to me. I started working with Jennifer Allwood. I was newer to this online marketing world. And every time she threw me like a little crumb, like, oh, um, I need to do like non-referral links in my blogs. Like I went down that rabbit hole and I learned and I was soaking it all up. And I'm like, that's the essence of the person you want on your team who um, is eager for it and has that growth mindset, isn't afraid of challenges. And it's so funny because for years I was embarrassed by my crazy chaotic resume because as a military spouse, I'd never had a job longer than 18 months, but it actually pays off in this online space. I know like the, the boomers out there are like, shame, shame, you know, you're not with the company 30 years, but actually it shows I'm adaptable and I can learn new things. And that is the number one soft skill that we need to hire for. Yeah, absolutely. And I really think that's changing. I'm hoping that that whole thing is changing. I know my company works in I or my company, my husband works in IT and it's actually a red flag to those, you know, higher level IT companies. If you've been at a job longer than a year, they want to see people like moving. Oh. They want to see people um, moving up and learning new skills and things like that. So um, I hope that's changing, but yeah. So we kind of mentioned again, the whole process of determining if you need a VA. Now we talked about hiring a VA. We talked about what to look out for and what not to do. And I kind of alluded to this when I was talking about some of the mistakes that I made and you mentioned, you know, providing templates or, you know, things that we can potentially identify to make our potential hires life easier. But is there anything else, any other documentation or systems we should have in place before we even start advertising a position? Is there anything we need to do kind of as like a prerequisite to hiring a VA? Okay. There's kind of like two, two schools of thought here. If you are hiring, if your budget is bigger and you're hiring somebody with more experience, they can kind of guide you and they can help you, right? You don't have to be completely organized and have it all figured out. So I was onboarding my new DMA yesterday and I was real with her. I'm like, I don't have the perfect onboarding system. In the future, I would love to be like, click this video to learn about the company. But I mean, we're a three woman band right now. Like that's just like not what I'm going to spend my time on. And so I kind of used that process yesterday for me to like, you know, walk through things and um, it's okay if it's not perfect. I do, I do want to say that, but anything you can do to get ahead will just make it so much easier. You talked about it on the show, but doing those um, Loom videos, how you do things, making sure you include the like big picture, why, how long things take you so someone could easily get spun up on their own time. It would be awesome to have a checklist where you're like, go watch this, go watch this. Here's the, here's the handbook go read this and all their questions could be answered. Uh, but it's okay to be a little bit messy and be honest and have it be a work in progress. Just make sure you're dedicating time so you kind of solve that problem there and then you're ready for the next hire too, right? You can ask have tons of other ideas. You're going to get uh, a talent and experience and they can bring ideas to help you get more organized as well. So you talk about SOPs, you talk about the Loom videos. I think onboarding, um, that kickoff call is really important. Like sit down for an hour and 90 minutes, go through all of the 
two-factor authentications that we got to walk through that like make our life hell as like the contractor. I don't want it to take two weeks just to log into your YouTube channel. Like let's sit down and get it done. And if you have somebody newer, they're not going to be have that leadership role you might be kind of wanting. So acknowledge that, take the role, take the lead, I mean, and do that. What was another thing? Google is the worst. Signing into the inbox, signing into like your email service provider the first time, um, all of those things is kind of nice. And then just being open for questions and making sure you're like documenting that like in real time. Just out of curiosity, what do you generally recommend in terms of communication for VAs? Is it, do you recommend like texting, emailing, Voxer? Is there a preferred tool that you have? I'm just curious. Oh my gosh, you're setting me up. Okay, here's the thing. You need to protect yourself and you cannot get in trouble with the IRS by misclassifying an employee. So A, you can't require contractors to be at regular meetings, right? Uh, You need to be a little bit um, lenient with that. And you want to make sure that any type of work is written and documented. So ideally, you know, Voxer texting is not a good place because you want to be able to protect yourself. And if you assigned work and work was not done, or, you know, if there's any kind of dispute, you want it like well-documented, right? And so email is the best place. Your task management system, your project management tool can work as well. Um, I personally am like drowning in email and I don't want another email. So I work with my team in Asana and, oh, I'm so sorry about that. Um, I work with my team in Asana, which I know you love. And I think that that's one of the best places, but ClickUp, Trello works well too. What you don't want to do is be texting people, have multiple channels of like communication, overwhelm your person and they quit within a week or two because they're just flooded. So I'm onboarding this new DMA. We're starting very slow. We're trying to get in a good workflow. And then I'm going to start adding more tasks to her plate. I don't want to overwhelm her. We have Voxer, which is a walkie talkie app. Do you use that? Not really. I used to, but not really anymore. Yeah. Well, I keep my notifications off, but it's open for clarification. If people have quick questions, uh, what I'm trying not to do is let it turn into this black hole of brainstorming brilliant ideas that never get executed. I tend to listen to Voxer in the car on the way to get the kids, like I'll catch up. And so it's not the best place to assign work or think that something's going to get accomplished. So, um, but even a Google doc, even a spreadsheet, just being able to track tasks and when they're complete. And then that way, you know, okay, this work was performed and now I can pay for it. Yeah, absolutely. And luckily I haven't had any issues with my remote employees because I pretty much live and die by email and Asana, but my husband and I work together. And earlier today, literally right before I hopped on this call, we were trying, we were talking about something. We were talking about a potential project. And I was like, was it via text? Was it email? Was it on? And we we literally had to yeah. spend 15 full minutes looking through our Instagram messages. Like, was it a TikTok that you sent? Like, what was it? Because we have so many different forms of communication. And I mean, that's a whole nother story because we're married, but it really brought to light, you know, how all of those different channels can really, again, make you lose so much time in looking for all of those things. And if, you know, heaven forbid, there's ever a dispute or something like that, it can really open you up um, to things that you don't want to deal with. So I'm glad that you brought that up. Yeah. You want to be very systematic with things as much as possible. Like how you name things, where you put things. Cause sometimes, I mean, I spend so much time in Canva alone looking for my design. And I mean, that has folders and stars and I still can't find anything in the Google drive. And So yeah, another thing I want to mention too is as the CEO, the visionary, you are like setting the work culture. So if you're the type of person who's going to text on a Friday night, just don't do it. Just don't do it because it's just (laughs) going to open a can of worms. And if you're the type of person who's like, I don't work on Fridays, don't contact me on Fridays, then don't work on Fridays, right? Just, Just lead by example there and your team will just appreciate that and they'll stay loyal. Yeah, absolutely. And it's so funny. It's the things that you're bringing up are things I live every day. And just the other day, I I was talking to my VA and I was working on a Friday night, which I try not to do, but it was, we were going to Disney like a couple of days later. So I was, and I literally typed out an email to her on a Friday night, but I scheduled it to send out on Monday morning because I was like, I do not want to set this precedent. I do not want to be this person. And so because I was forced to work on a Friday, again, I wanted to maintain her boundaries and I didn't want it to get lost over the weekend. So I literally, I love that Gmail allows you to do that now 
to schedule emails to go out in advance. So I'm so glad you brought that up. Yes. Good for you. You're like the dream client. (laughs) (laughs) Well, again, because I was a contractor, I wouldn't be had I not known. So um, one last kind of clarifying question that I wanted to bring up before we wrap this up is you kind of mentioned, you know, avoiding that micromanaging. We talked about that, but we also kind of talked about, you know, not leaving too much open and undocumented. So how can we find that perfect balance between you know, tracking time and making sure we're getting what we pay for and things like that. How do we toe that line between tracking efficiently and micromanaging? This is, this is a really good question because you also want to know from your own budgeting, like how long do things take? And it's not that you're coming from a place of mistrust, but you need to be able to be able to allocate funds. So I think you just have this open and honest communication with your team and set the tone that it's not this like big brothers watching you. And, you know, technically, you know, if you're, if your contract says this number of hours, like they should need to prove the number of hours. Right. But they also, you know, I don't have my team like document every little minute, you know, a high level specialist is going to charge by the hour, no matter what, did the project take two minutes? Like think about what lawyers and doctors do. Like they have their rate. So I think just being open about it um, because it does kind of get a little, you know, funny with the employee contractor uh, boundary. But I think the biggest thing for me is I just want to know things got done and they're not hanging over my head. And I want to be able to just like go look and not harass them and um, have to voxer them. And so I think that's why having everything in that project management tool is really good. And then you can, as you know, like create your card, you can have your Kanban board or whatever, you can have your repetitive task and they can still be autonomous and go do it. But that checklist is just going to make sure the balls don't get dropped. It's not because you don't trust them. Um, And then also making sure that they have a little bit of the authority and like they're empowered to make things better, to make things efficient. Like that's how you're going to attract that brain in your business instead of like, ah, this is the only way you do it. And this is exactly how you do it. And really you are paying for results when you hire a contractor. Like you cannot, if you start micromanaging, the IRS is going to misclassify you and that would be really expensive. Yeah, absolutely. And um, that's kind of the relationship that I've built with my VA, Hannah. She does Pinterest and a couple other things for me. And I try to be that like cool client and say, I'm not going to you know, track your time at all. But it actually got to a point where I didn't know what was happening. I didn't, like you said, I didn't know how long things were taking. Mm-hmm. So eventually I had to be like, you know what, you know, this kind of like, we, there has to be a middle ground. And eventually we did find one. And what I love about it is we just check in really quickly, like once a month, not super regularly, but I say, okay, you know, about how long are you spending a week on Pinterest? How long are you spending on other things? And then also, you know, are there any things you're noticing? Is there yeah. anything you need from me to make, you know, are there specific pins that are really taking off? What do the analytics look like? Do you need more video content? Do you need more of this? So um, we've been able to find that middle ground. But like you said, it can be difficult. But I'm so glad that you brought up that open and honest communication because a lot of people hear remote employee and they think, you know, almost like a robot. But these are still people on the other side of the screen. And, you know, you can hop on the phone and talk with them face to face um, and just kind of ask them, you know, how can we come to this perfect working agreement? Yeah. Okay. I'm glad you brought that up because this was kind of the next phase is when you do have a contractor. And this is what I teach my marketing assistants in my school to do. End of the month, report your results, provide data. This is how you step up as that that like department leader that you're you're trying to groom and turn into that indispensable teammate. And so hopefully Hannah at the end of the month is like, this is your Pinterest stats. This is what happened. And it's not always about hours for you. It's also about results and what's working. And, you know, the Pinterest algorithm just took a big hit, but like, she just needs to keep you informed. So I had a lady um, who just breaks my heart because she had such potential. I handed her a seven-figure business owner and who needed help like going back through blogs and just optimizing them for SEO and whatnot. And she just didn't tell her what she was working on. And I said, Cody, all you have to do is say, I did 10 this month. These are the 10. That's all she wanted. She didn't mistrust you, but she's just like, I don't know what I'm paying for. And, and then I don't hear from you. So it's super critical that you report, submit data. Um, I try to have a marketing meeting with my team which we're actually having here pretty soon where we'll go over the last month. And I don't want all of the like nitty gritty details. I want to know what was the trend? What did you see? 
Um, what is something that I need to know about? And then I have the data to go look at when I have extra time. Like, when is that going to be? But like, report that is so crucial. And if you set that expectation with your new hire, it will just start the relationship off well. And to piggyback off of that, immediately set a 30, 60, 90 day meeting to have this 360 feedback and, and ask them, what do you need from me to do your job better? And then that opens the door for you to like, talk about what you would like to see differently too. That's like another thing people like forget to do completely. Yeah, absolutely. And I still act as a Facebook ad contractor for a few legacy clients. And something that I've really grown accustomed to doing is reporting results. Like I'll give cost per lead, I'll give cost per purchase and things like that. But a lot of my um, clients specifically work with lead generation. So I used to just report those stats, but now I, you know, I have this very open communication as a contractor and I say, okay, you know, your cost per leads a dollar, but what is that actually doing for your business? Are these converting into appointments? Are they converting into sales? So now we have this two-way communication so I think as business owners, it's really important to, yes, look at that data, but also look, okay, what's my engagement rate on Instagram, but are those engagements actually moving the needle What in what really matters when it comes to sales? So I love that you brought that up because it is it is important to have that whole picture, especially when you're working remote. I feel like you and I could have a whole other conversation about marketing. <laughs> For sure. But um, just to kind of wrap this conversation up, I know everybody is probably really excited to start looking for, you know, their unicorn VA. Um, are there any kind of last words of advice you want to leave for somebody who is maybe going to hop right off of this conversation and start their search? Yeah, I really feel like you need to get this ball rolling now. Like, you know, Michelle's giving you all the tools here. Um, a, a, another big mistake I see is waiting until the house is on fire. I'm launching tomorrow and I need a VA today. Like you can start now. You can start slow. You are learning how to refine and delegate, right? This is a new skill to you. And so give yourself plenty of time. You cannot just onboard somebody Monday, even if they're a professional, even if they've been doing it for 13 years like me, it's still going to take time to be familiar with your business, develop a good system and workflow. So start before you feel ready and just being able to, you know, offload a few of those maintenance tasks is going to make you feel like a baller, but it's also going to make you get your little tush moving because now you have somebody waiting on you, dependent on you. It's going to really, help you um, move forward with your bigger goals and free up your time. Absolutely. I love that. I think that was a perfect way to end the conversation. It motivated me. Um, <laughs> so thank you for that. So um, where can we find more about you other than that website that you mentioned that I'm going to link in the show notes? Is there anywhere else where we can follow you? Yeah, I am having the most fun over on Instagram at Emily Reagan PR. I also have a podcast. If you have someone on your team who wants to know more about marketing, they want to be a marketing assistant, send them my way and I'll help them get up to speed with what they need to know so they can work better for your business. Awesome. Thank you so much. It was such a pleasure. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Emily. I got so many valuable takeaways that I can't wait to implement in my own business. And I hope you did too. So all of Emily's information and her links are linked in the show notes of this episode, as are the previous two episodes I did on this topic. So episodes 163 and 164. So again, if you haven't listened to those yet, that gives you a lot more background about how you can potentially utilize a virtual assistant or a remote employee in your indoor playground or play cafe business. All right. Thank you guys so much for being here. As always, the best way that you can show support for me or for the show is to leave a rating and review wherever you are listening. I appreciate it so much. All right. I will see you soon, Playmakers.